The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson. I don't want, I wanted to be Attorney uh, General. I did. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Quickly, <laughs> sir, we only have so much time. Alabama, I'm, yes I'm trying to no. answer the question. I for the good of the Alabamans. And write me in. That Sessions S E. Crooked letter. Crooked letter. I. That's Jeff. The Morning Blaze. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Reaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This. If you're back listening again, thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening. And uh, I hope it's a place that you can find that uh, voice of reason, that voice of patriotism, that voice that believes in freedom that believes as a Muslim it is my responsibility, our responsibility to lead the efforts of reform, to lead the efforts of change, to lead the efforts of national security that protect us against the threats of radical Islam. Week to week, you can find a voice here that is unafraid to take on the challenges, the ideas, the issues that most will only skirt around, most will only touch on, and you and I together, I hope, can build a body of knowledge, a body of courage to take on these issues. This week before Thanksgiving, thank you. I know you're taking time away from your families, most of you. This holiday is uniquely American. I think, obviously, there probably are similar equivalents in many countries around the world. But this Thursday, this weekend, many families gather around the dinner table to rejoice, to celebrate the bonds of thankfulness, of gratitude, of humility before God, before country, before our military, before all that serve our country, that serve our society to keep us safe, to keep us healthy, to keep us prosperous. We thank God for the resources, for the kinship, for the communities that provide. And this year is like no other. We're reminded of the threats that continue to befall our country, to befall the world, of the partisan separation that divides us rather than unites us. And I hope we're able to sit around the tables. Uh, Yes, even in our own families, you look across the table, and if you were to descend into political or religious conversation, I'm sure often your Thanksgiving dinners will not last very long. But most of us are reminded that it is the human bonds, the bonds of universal human rights, the bonds of equality before God, before government of all that makes us rejoice in gratitude. And I'm thankful this year as I am every year of parents that had the wisdom to understand what America was, had the wisdom to understand what America would be for them to come and escape Syria and come to the United States and allow me to be born in the United States and give me the greatest gift of all, which was being able to grow up in the United States as an American, as a free-thinking human without the encumbrances of a government that would shackle me of my ideas, that would shackle my family, my community 
from being able to express ourselves, worship, and be who we wanted to be. This is, I think, the embrace that is America. This is the embrace that is the country that gives us freedom. And that is the number one thing that we are thankful for, at least around our dinner table this weekend. That's what we thanked America for, is a country that even my nearest relatives that suffer in Damascus and Aleppo that have seen somewhat the, the toning down of a civil war, the kinetic parts of it, but certainly not the reality of it, with over 600,000 dead, with 11 million displaced out of 21 million in Syria. The civil war is not over. There was a picture this week of Putin embracing Assad, the embrace of genocidal tyrants, maybe a harbinger of short-term losses, but long-term Humanity has shown that there is an indefatigable, there is an indomitable spirit of human tenacity to be free, human tenacity to win over tyranny. And if there's anything that America is as that city on a hill is that we will ultimately stand with those who want to be free. Have we done that all the time? Even recently, maybe not. We have certainly defeated the greatest threats to mankind from the early 20th century. Fascists of Europe and Japan to now we are the ones facing North Korea. We are the ones who ultimately ended ISIS. No thanks to Russia. No thanks to Assad. No thanks to Iraq. No thanks to Iran now the greatest threat on the planet. And I think the greatest threat, even second, not second to North Korea, because North Korea might be threatening us, but it is contained in its hegemonic regional aspirations because of China, because of Japan and others. But ultimately, yes, it threatens us with the verb verbiage of nuclear weapons and other threats, but nothing compares to the threat of whether it be Shia or Sunni caliphism, global Islamism. The Soviet Union threat of the 20th, 20th century has dissipated, but Cold War 2.0 continues. So this weekend, we remain thankful of health, thankful of our prosperity, and I'm reminded in our humility that we have so much work to do. I think true gratefulness, true gratefulness is about what you do with that gratitude. It's not only articulating it, but it is embodying it in a behavior that begins to create a legacy that will demonstrate that we, and now I'm speaking to American Muslims, that we as a Muslim community are grateful for the freedoms that this government, that the founding fathers of the United States created and left for us, that their legacy told today in over 240 years of prosperity with certainly a, a major civil war, civil rights movement, and other corrections, major course corrections, but still a foundational body of 
Declaration of Independence and a Constitution and Bill of Rights that have provided an unprecedented template for a society that will protect the rights of every individual citizen in its purview. And that is the legacy. What is our legacy as American Muslims? Is it to whine? Is it to complain? Is it to say that we are the victims? Is it to demand our rights and protections? Or is it to give back to this country and demonstrate that we will translate American exceptionalism into a universal exceptionalism for those who want to be free and equal under the rights of their government, be it Egyptians, Syrians, Iraqis, Pakistanis, Afghanis, or Saudis? Do they want to be free under what it means to be Saudi or Iranian? universally, blind to whether it's Shia or Sunni or Baha'i or atheist, and a secular protection under God with freedom and liberty for all. Can that be the new definition? And I certainly believe that should be the legacy of American Muslims, that we will translate and globalize the idea of universal freedom, that we are not ashamed of American exceptionalism, and it's not just American, it is universal human exceptionalism for the right to be free under God and equal, that all seven plus billion people on the planet are equal under God. And that the defense of the minority is the defense of the whole. And that majoritocracy is not human, it is in fact oppressive. That yes, elections need votes, elections need to be run by majority, but at the end of the day, the rule of law of a republic that defends the minority's right, not to coercion, not to oppression, but the minority's right to speech, religious practice, assembly, is the central aspect of a successful society. And it is why then free markets succeed. It is why people seek to come to those countries and seek those countries to reaffirm the rights of the rest on the planet. That is our legacy, and that's what I'm thankful for. So I hope and pray that you all had a blessed Thanksgiving. And know that whether I'm reading from the Quran, that reminds me to be just and critical, even if those people are in my own faith, my own kin, my own family, that I speak truth to their reform. And that I'm reminded in my faith that We are to treat all the same. We are not to be dominant as the Islamists believe that we are to be just and that if you've saved a life, it's as if you've saved all mankind and that I would dismiss this concept of caliphism, the concept of the Islamic State needs to be defeated. That should be the legacy and I hope the thankfulness of American Muslims is translated not just to words of gratitude but a legacy that we build institutions that demonstrate our gratitude, that we build institutions in the name of the United States and not in the name of Islam or in the name of Muslims, in the name of freedom, in the name of liberty, that that will thus be a generational legacy. When we come back, I want to discuss with you what, are the, what should be the responses to mass shootings? terror incidents what should be those responses and then more importantly I want to talk to you about 
professor in France that said perhaps in order to avert a civil war in France, they should allow a state in a state. This is Zudi Jasser. We'll be right back on Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. The Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser, the Blaze Radio Network. Dr. Zudi Jasser, welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. It is always humbling and an honor to be with you, and thank you for taking time to join me in this conversation and this journey together. And the journey together to hope where you can begin to understand that the confrontation of Islamism, the the insidious ideology, the cancer of a theocratic mindset and collectivist mindset of Muslims is something that should be confronted and will be confronted and ultimately has a constituency that includes every Muslim on the planet. Currently, it's prevailing in the conventional wisdom that has convinced somewhere between a quarter to a third of Muslims around the world that that should be their state. It's not a majority, so I think we're still hopeful. And we're very hopeful because the West hasn't even gotten into this war of ideas. What should be the West's response? What should be their response to an ideology that believes that the predominant, the predominant working law and identity of the state should be based not under God and universal generic moral ideas and rights, but rather a single faith's recipe and a single faith's document. The Quran should be that constitution. That's what Islamism is. A French author, thanks to the write-up at PJ Media by Tyler O'Neill, French author by the name of Christian de Molinaire said, Just as the English never managed to tame the Irish Catholics, we will never be able to eradicate the radical Islamism. He wrote in Cossure, a French online magazine. He said, Everyone realizes that a second people has formed in France, a branch that wants to settle their life on religious values and is fundamentally opposed to the liberal consensus on which our country was founded. And then this article got reposted and reposted on Facebook. De Molinaire argues that a nation always rests on a fundamental pact, a minimum of laws that all approve. But he claimed in France this is no longer the case. He said we can never get the toothpaste back in the tube and convert the 30% of Muslims, of the 10 to 12% that are French, who demand the introduction of, Oh, 10 to 12% of Muslim of, of French are Muslim, by the way, who demand the introduction of Sharia to the merits of our democracy and secularism. 
we are now allowing segregation to take place that does not say its name. While we are not yet at open war, de Molinaire said, the faithful of the prophet are always grouped in areas sometimes governed by special rules, compulsory veil, rejection of the Jews, in certain ghettos, marriage and married life regulated by Quranic principles. He warned against appeasing those for fear of appearing Islamophobic to satisfy this waving fringe of Muslims. On and on. He talked about the victory of Macron over the anti-Islamist populist Le Pen. This election did not make the problems disappear, but it merely put the issues aside. The French author admitted that forced remigration of Islamist Muslims would not be possible if we keep a democratic framework. And then he absurdly used the example of the Rohingya Muslims. So, the fascinating thing is that he then goes on to then take certain elements of truth to the appeasement, to the weakness, to the problem of Islamism, all this separatism that he highlights, the conflict in the worldview between Western laws and Islamists, and he said it would be better to segregate the two legal systems before they become entwined. So, fascinating that ultimately a recognition finally of the problem of separatist Islamist identity and legal ideology then leads to the ultimate palliative care. Palliative. Palliation is just delaying the inevitable conflict without seeking cure. Is that where we've come to now? Is palliation, palliation instead of cure? Surrender would be to allow the Islamists to continue to dominate our institutions and intertwine themselves as they've done. We are surrendering now. Western uh, uh, subservience to the Islamist mantra that they are the victims, that everybody else is the supremacist. As you saw in my debate at Web Summit last week, I talked to you about the fact that it's absurdly connecting Hitler to Christianity while global leaders and thought refuse to even address the Islamists of Iran and Saudi Arabia and the Muslim Brotherhood as the main problem. And now we've swung to where people, professors that even understand this, are seeking palliation, separate, true separatism, ghettoization, almost in the same way that you look upon what has happened with the American Indian community. Created a nation within a nation that then allows incubation. But with the American Indian community, we can get into the separate issue of whether that was wise or not but there's no global American Indian movement run by petrobillions that has spread literature that is against the rest of the planet as the Islamists have so the danger is far far different when you allow separatist enclaves and you actually systematically plan that to be done You are surrendering to them and then allowing them to become beachheads of future caliphates 
a future caliphate that will evolve unless you confront this idea front and center. And the best place to confront it is in the laboratories here in the West. We can try to confront it virally in Saudi Arabia through disruption and revolutions. That's going to be the only answer. Radical Islam will never wither by pushing up secular militant dictators. They actually are fuels, are, are, are jet propulsion for radical Islam, as Egypt proved to be jet propulsion for the Brotherhood, as secular, hyper-secular Turkey proved to be jet propulsion for the AKP, as the Wahhabis were jet propulsed by the House of Saud, as the Khomeinists were jet propulsed by the Shah. But you need a third pathway. That third pathway will come through revolutions that defeat both dictatorships, that seek disruption and seek free speech, freedom of religion, freedom of expression, freedom of assembly. That's going to be the answer. Where do we do that? So you confront these ideas here in the West. You don't lock them into ghettos as you've been doing and even make that faster. You instead, you push a confrontation with an unapologetic dismissal and marginalization of political Islam. An unapologetic marginalization of theocratic Islam with an embrace of Muslim liberals, with an embrace of the Muslim reform movement that rejects violent jihad, that rejects blasphemy laws, that rejects apostasy laws, calls for the modernization of interpretation of Islamic scripture. That is how you confront the threat. You use the laboratories we have here in the West. Contrary to what this so-called professor says. The professor raises many of the right symptoms, but calls for the wrong, the wrong solution. And if we don't get this right, if we continue to play defense, we may delay, may slow down the inevitable, but it will delay the inevitable, which is the confrontation with Islamic supremacists, ultimately militarily in their neo-caliphate, led by the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, there are 56 countries. Or, if you don't want to send your sons and daughters anymore to fight wars, then begin to engage the Islamists domestically, not through violence, not through militancy, not through oppression or repression, but through engagement and critical thinking. America was founded on a rejection of theocracy. How hard is it for us to reject theocracy when we embrace Islamists? How hard? Stop the palliation. Embrace the reformers. Reject the state within a state. But I bring this story to you because it is so depictive of the dysfunction that we've had because we've not had any organized embrace of Muslim reformers. Last I asked the question at the end of last segment about what's next for ISIS. They say they've been defeated. You already have Putin and Trump having phone calls about even Putin thanking him for ending ISIS and and President Trump appropriately in many ways getting credit for finally allowing the DOD to do what it needed to do to end ISIS. And as they said, it would take about six months to do if we didn't shackle them with inappropriate restrictions on how to wage war in Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan. But this is a short-term fix. New York, Manhattan, other recent attacks have been examples of how ISIS will continue to reach out and rename itself and 
jihadism, Salafi jihadism will continue to flow. I tweeted in a sarcastic way this week that I'm sure during the phone call, Putin was thinking under his breath, oh yeah, you'll be back fighting the Al-Qaeda permutations in Syria, which continue to regenerate with the Chechnya and Sunni radical jihadists that I continue to allow to go through my borders into Syria. And I think this is the game that the, that the radical militants, uh, tyrants like Assad and Putin play along with the Khomeinists as they're in bed with the Shia. They then fuel radical Sunni Islamism. And we see the Saudis do the same thing in Yemen as they prevent humanitarian aid and other things from coming in because they fuel, they want to decimate the Shia population rather than actually simply ending the war and allowing democracy to thrive or even begin to be planted, let alone thrive. This is the problem. So ISIS may be ended, but at the end of the day, the caliphate might be gone, but it will keep coming back. ISIS will find other way forward, just like pushing the the head of a bob underwater. It'll pop up elsewhere. And the pool is continuing to be teeming with jihadists. And the way to drain that pool is to drain the precursors of jihad, which are political Islam. I'm going to end short this week and give you time to go back and spend with your families, spend with your loved ones, and thankfulness of what we have this Thanksgiving, thankfulness to all those who've died or given their time and their energies and their time away from their family to serve this country, to protect us from militants like ISIS and others. God bless them. Pray for them. I thank them. I thank all who have given us this freedom. I'm grateful for the freedom to join you to do this podcast, to live and breathe in the greatest country on the planet that recognizes my equality before the law, blind to any one specific faith, but under God. So as we go back to our families this week, we're thankful, but remember the caliphate may be gone, but ISIS is going to come back in some form unless you work with reformers, unless we have a strategy. Don't allow palliation of the state within the state. Work with the long-term cure to eradicate the ideology of political Islam and work with liberal Muslims who love their faith, maybe conservative, maybe liberal, maybe feminist, maybe social, socialist, free marketers, whatever they might be. As long as they reject political Islam and they believe in liberty, they believe in universal human rights, work with them. I'm obviously a conservative free marketeer who believes in liberty, but I realize that America succeeds because we have diverse political ideas and we have a common document of our declaration and our constitution. God bless you all. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and I'll see you next week. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network.